Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night, where it is never too late for the Leafs. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Beaner, and we are presented by Inside the Rink, where you can find all of our merch, all of your news from anywhere around the NHL, different shows, different podcasts, different writers, covering all things Chell and hockey. Not just the NHL, there's actually junior and PWHL stuff there too, so go and check it out. Um... Before we talk about the game tonight, we have to address the five elephants in the room, which is uh, that after so much, so much, so much waiting, uh, we finally, it seems like ahead of schedule, we're told that um, five players were asked to report to the London Police Department uh, regarding the outcome of their investigation into the assault claims from 2018. Um, I I mean, look, everybody knows there's five names out there. Um, I can go through them. It was uh, Carter Hart, Dylan Dubé, Alex Formanton. Which McLeod was it? Because it's there's two of them. Ryan? Um, Michael. Shit. I think it's Ryan. I'll look that up right now. And Cal Foote. Now, obviously, people are speculating that these are, in fact, the five people um, because we are recording this and putting it out into the world. We cannot say that it is them. Um, Everybody can make their own assumptions there. But it is odd timing that all these guys um, are given leave from their teams. The one that stuck out was uh, Dylan Dubé. They said it was because of... um, uh, mental health reasons, the flames. And that's quite strange considering, uh, it's been brought up, you know, Oliver Shillington just came back. Uh, there's been a lot of players that have been taking leaves of absence for mental health. Uh, I forget who it was, but somebody just the other day, uh, took a leave. So it's, it's doesn't, uh, I just hate that it's kind of using, uh, a platform that has been more legitimized this season. It seems for the wrong use. No, that's that's a, a good way to put it. I I don't want to make it sound like I'm making light of anything because I'm that's clearly not the intention. But the fact that there's the potential that they could have been kind of using that to to try to avoid any you know outcry from the public or in any negative comments to maybe try to sneak him being away from the team under the rug is kind of alarming. Yeah, especially because this was going to be public. Like, everybody's been waiting for this. People have been speculating about the names for what seems like a year now. Uh, Like, there was no hiding from this. We were going to find out who's involved. It's just, like I said, it's shitty to use a platform that has been so uh, accepted this year as legitimate, so... Uh, There's a couple other things about this that I want to just touch on. I don't want to spend too much time on it because there's so much uh, coverage out there already from much more qualified people than us. But I do find it strange that we heard reports multiple times over the summer that this was about to drop. The NHL knew who these players were and informed the teams. You know, we saw the Sens, whether it was because of this or not, you know, send Formanton over to Europe um, is it not strange that the NHL has had absolutely no uh, prepared statement for this? Like, you'd think they've had all this time. Like, why are they, have they been completely silent? So, I'm not condoning their lack of a response. But from a legality standpoint, I'm wondering if it's because maybe they can't. With how str- that's fair. With how strong the union is, if they would come, if they came out and said, "Hey, like, you know, John Doe one two three four five, 
you guys are are not allowed to participate in league activities until this is done, then that's presuming guilt, right? Not I'm not saying they're innocent or anything like that, but that that's the only like from a completely neutral standpoint, I think the only way they could get away from that is if they said, hey, everyone involved on that team is banned from any activities until this is taken care of. That might have been the way to go because it would have actually been taken care of swiftly. But Well, what I think is when it was announced today that five players from that team were asked to report to London police, the NHL should have immediately come out and said, you know, without naming anybody, just saying like, we, um, you know, we support the actions of the London police and we, um, you know, just something about addressing that we are disappointed if any of our players are among these five, like just anything to say anything. Anything is better than nothing. Well, I agree with you. I think that like this hasn't the Kyle beach thing aside, this hasn't really happened before where they've, you know, governing bodies have covered something up and it's actually been revealed that they've been covering it up. I'm not saying the NHL took part in it, but you cannot tell me that nobody in the entire pyramid of people in charge of the NHL that nobody knew anything about it. Um, it's just, if, if it came to a point where the NHL came out and, and said something and then a player like it's all legalities. I'm not agreeing with it. I completely agree with you that something should have been said, like the way things have been handled has not been good from the Kyle beach to this, to the Corey Perry incident. Like, they just continuously keep dropping the ball and it, it stems from the leadership of the NHL, which we won't don't have to get into. Cause I think everybody knows where we stand on that. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, it's not an NHL thing. It's a hockey Canada mm-hmm. thing, but they are players that presumably like, even without knowing who they are, you look at that list of players and you can say, okay, well, we know that if you're going to take five of them, you're going to have some players that are currently NHL starters. So like they kind of have, I don't know. I feel like they should have said something, but you're right. It, it's a legal gray area of, of where they can say things and where they can't, but you're right. Like they knew who was being investigated. They had to have mm-hmm. like, obviously I'm speculating, but they, from what we heard, they had informed teams of who it was. So what I want to know is like when, who knew and when, because to have these players still going out, I mean, look, it's it's tough when it's an investigation to like, like you said, you're you're accusing people before something's done. But when it's an investigation this serious, like you said, you should just pull the guys off the ice. And I get that that's drawing a ton of media attention to them. But, you know, look, I'm not comparing this in any way, but we saw a football player play a whole season and then found out that he murdered a guy. And everyone looks at that season a lot differently. So like when you find things out afterwards that sour how you look at somebody like it just you're not going to look at the first half of the season that these guys played the same way anymore. No. And, and if, like I said, if, if you were actually concerned over the potential of, you know, if these guys are sitting, then that's saying they're guilty before they're not. And that change, it'll change public opinion and stuff like that. Then, you know, the best course of action probably would have been just to say, you know what, everybody involved can't participate. Cause then you have players like Kale McCarr. He was on that team. Yeah. Now it's not looking like he was involved and, and you know, it, I wouldn't want, if he was involved, I wouldn't want him to get any special treatment as opposed to anybody else. But I'm just saying if, if you really wanted to take a hard stance at it, then blanket statement. If you are on a team that is involved in something like this, everybody does not participate until it's settled. Well, I think the tough thing is there's a lot of guys that have, I mean, call it an alibi, like they can place where they were and it not being there at the event. So, you know, I feel like a lot of guys would come back and say, I I can prove that I wasn't there. So that's kind of bullshit. And then what do you exclude? Like the people that can prove that they weren't at the event, you just bench the guys that were like, that, it's really hard. 
I, I still think you would have to probably kind of keep it blanket one way or the other, either what they did or everybody, because then you would have internally the private talks of people who 100% know they weren't involved, pressuring everybody else. Like, you know what, you need to you need to step up and do the right thing and turn yourself in and and, and go from there. And then this whole thing could have been sorted months ago, years ago. The, the fact that it took six years is baffling. Well, yeah, I mean, it took six years because the investigation was closed and then reopened. Like, there's so many things that went wrong with this and so many people that need to be held accountable when this is all said and done. And, you know, like, I know Hockey Canada had its reckoning and the, all the, the entire leadership group has changed. But I don't know if that did enough to regain people's trust like i don't know if anyone looks at that organization the same way and i'm going to say what i said before like you have to rename and like completely rebuild this organization from the ground up like you have to at the beginning of next hockey season like say sorry guys we're taking a month off of registrations we need to completely overhaul this system and come back with something that you can believe in because right now this isn't it and um, I know a month isn't enough time to like write a whole r- new rule book, but that's, you know, they got to spend some time putting together how they're going to handle this because holy shit, Hockey Canada is not only losing faith, but they're losing talent. Like they're not even at the same playing level they used to be. So they got to do something. The other side of that is is Batman. And like I said, they should have had a statement ready. He should have, after the Kyle Beach thing, how we said that the Chicago Blackhawks went a short leash when it came to Corey Perry, like Batman has a short leash too when it comes to how anything like this is handled again. Like everybody was on watch for if any sniff of sexual assault is around the NHL again, like you need to handle it better than last time. And so far they haven't really been like they still have some time to fix this. But so far day one, it's been let's cover up the news with something else. Yeah, like ultimately the right thing would to do would have been to get on like get out in front of it and deal with it ahead of time and almost be a little too strict like guilty until proven innocent type thing um but then there's the other hand that i've heard a couple people say today too like and you mentioned it earlier this this didn't involve the nhl none of these players were in the nhl when it happened none of them were playing for an nhl team it wasn't an nhl event Yet again, not making it right, not condoning anything, but it's it, it's it makes it that much more complicated and and hundred percent like from a legal standpoint, right? Yet again, from an ethics yeah. standpoint, no, it's like if you were involved whatsoever, you're done for good. Yeah, I feel like this is a real situation of like right and wrong versus the law. Like people know what they want to happen here, but there's a whole process that has to play out. Um, the NHL isn't directly involved in this. Like you said, it's, it's really tough. Like who can do what and say what here. Uh, But I do think that everybody's anger on social media today is justified that there was a lot of um, reporting on the Salt Lake city thing. We'll talk about that after the game, but I think it's from what I've heard um, the timing of this uh, leak about the London police department, asking these players to report to them came early like this wasn't supposed to come out today and this salt lake city thing was kind of planned in advance for today but the people running this the like i mean i'm gonna straight up i don't work for them bell and rogers should have told their people to hold on on posting about these things when all this dropped instead of like having everyone just go about it and post about salt lake city because that's what pissed a lot of people off is you have all the biggest names in in hockey reporting like you know, Dreger and Frege and all these guys were just talking about Salt Lake City. And it's like, okay, well, I think people want to hear your opinion about the bigger thing that's going on right now. Realistically, if we're all being honest, Rogers and Bell probably tried to get everybody to shut up and to not comment on it. Like if we're looking, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. If we're looking like, so like you were saying that they should have said to hold off. No, it was probably more of, no, you can't talk about this until it was to a point where they were getting hounded so much. They had to like, just look at how bell treats bell. Let's talk day. Yeah. Talk about mental health and then lay like hundreds and hundreds of people off. Like it, yeah, it's, it's a joke the way those companies look at things. Um, it definitely it did not get handled the way it should have on 
like from this aspect either because of like you said it's announced the london police services are you know asking or telling those players that they need to come turn themselves over and then almost immediately like i don't even think it was 10 minutes later was when the the news dropped so just complete utter failure yet again yeah. And again, it just, it seemed like everybody this morning was just kind of sad to be a hockey fan. Like it was another one of those moments where you just lose a bit of faith in the people running the sport that you love. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. We all love this game, but the people in charge of it are not always the best. And for a long time, we've had the same people in charge of a lot of things and they're not good. So, okay. Enough of that. And here you finish, finish your point, And then let's talk about the game. I was just going to say, and ultimately, at the end of the day, the players that were involved, I don't care if they do jail time, what they do, they should not be allowed back in the league. Like, at all, ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, that's where it gets tough legally. Like, if this all goes to court, and they, I don't know. I'm not defending them. It's just, it's going to get hairy if they get if they are not found guilty, you know? To For it to get to this point, where they've actually requested that they turn themselves in like i know they said that no charges have been laid up to this point but they would have had to have accumulated significant evidence for it to get to this point. oh for sure for sure i'm just saying like if if that were the case it would just get a little hairy anyway it's a lot of speculation and what if so let's talk about what did and that's this wild game like okay leafs and jets Talk about one-sided first periods. Like we've had a lot of these this year, but this was like, holy shit. I think the shots were 12 or 14 to four. Like I, I think I did the math and it was on pace. I think it was 14 because they were on pace for like 42 to 12 shots after the first period. Yeah. The first period was 16 to four shots for oh my God. the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and then the Leafs led both of the following periods. And then OT, the Winnipeg actually had the lead, but they started it with a power play. Um, you know the reason I didn't do a show after the last game. That was because I have kind of had my fill of, of Mr. Keefe. And dis- <laughs> you d- don't say. D- despite the fact that we got the victory, um, I, I got to think that he he's feeling like a crab in a pot of water on a stove right now, like or a lobster, I guess, not a crab. Like it, it's got to be getting hot because we got the win, we eked it out, but it, it was not a masterpiece by any means. Oh my god, no! There were so many times where I thought that game was over, and Sammy just held it on for them. Like my god, they owe him dinner for the next week. Like he's the only reason they were able to stay in that game. Like you're against. And look, this has been the case. Every time the, the Leafs have gotten a win in the last little bit, it's been against a team that's missing some pretty big pieces. Like, that's not without note, you know? I mean, Shifley was gone. Morrissey left a couple minutes into the period. Um, somebody else was out. But yeah, it's it's big pieces of the Winnipeg Jets that are down. So you just don't like to see the Leafs playing this sloppy of a first period again. So there's something up there with Keefe, for sure. Like, some of the choices defensively, I mean, look, we saw... Geo sit, but look at the lineups. We still have Brody on the first pair, and then all of a sudden, I saw the first pair, like out with the first line. So we'll call it the first pair was Brody and Timmons, like two guys that have made a shit ton of mistakes and have been not performing up to par this year. I mean, look, they've had their flashes. They both have their strengths. Timmons is good in the offensive zone. TJ dives like anybody, but. Uh, my God, those two together just doesn't seem like a good fit. Well, and all night he was actually doing what maybe we've been complaining that he doesn't do enough of. Like he was actually changing things up. Like I saw Benoit with Timmons. I saw Benoit with McCabe. I saw Benoit with... I think I saw him with Brody at one point. Like, And I get it. Benoit's playing incredible. Like that's been one of the best yeah. stories of this season so far is the solid play from him back there because that's what... That's what everybody wants back there, right? Everybody says they want like a, you know, six foot five guy who, you know, has a 180 mile an hour slap shot. Yeah, okay, but this is what you need. 
Like, yeah, you need somebody that's going to take out the guy as soon as he's about to make the pass. So it fucks it up. Take out the guy who's, you know, like a, in the corner, hit someone so they're down for that extra few seconds. Like, it's something that we haven't had. Yeah. And and he's been doing it responsibly, too. He's not taking a whole crap ton of stupid penalties. He's not, you know, drawing the ire of the refs a la Michael Bunting by yelling and screaming at everything. Like he just oh, exactly. goes out, he does his job and goes to the bench. Like there, it it's the cleanest, simplest way you could have one of your defensemen play. And it's been really successful for him so far this season. Yeah. Um, I, so that's one plus we can give Keith is he has been using Benoit to his strengths as we've been, um, welcome to them. Uh, what about up on forward though? You know, let me pull up the lines from tonight. I know it definitely changed a bit, but. Uh, uh, uh. Sorry. So, like, with forwards. Yeah, we had Nyes back on the first line, Holmberg, Tavares, Nylander, Robertson, Domi, Yarncroak, and uh, McMahon, Kampf, and Gregor. Like, it. You, you do have to try things, but when you're getting such great production from someone like Nicky Bobby with how little he's been playing. And I know he started, they started to put him on some more offensive lines towards the end of the game. And then obviously he was out there in overtime and made that brilliant knockdown. Um, Yeah, no kidding. But like, we'd have to go back and look, I think this is the first time he's been over 10 minutes in maybe all season. He finished with 17 minutes. Yeah. He's, under 300 minutes on the season coming into tonight. Yeah. The guy plays his ass off every single shift. He doesn't take a shift off. He's always out front of the net. Like the number of times that he was just kind of ha- either had his body turned the wrong way or whatever. And he was out front and the puck came to him. Like he's there. He's getting his opportunities. It just, they've, they've got to start connecting and burying. But the fact that you keep benching them. It, it absolutely makes no sense. Yeah, this has to be the game that keeps him in the lineup, right? Like he's, but we've said that every time he has a good game and it hasn't been the case. So I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to keep him here because it seems like the only reason he's playing is because Bertuzzi's off um, witnessing the birth of his child. So, you know, when Bertuzzi comes back, do we see Robertson bumped back out again? But like that's, you want him in. Like, and it's so tough because, you know, really, who are you going to pull out? But, okay, Holmberg's played, you know, pretty well since he's come up, but he's had a handful of quiet shifts as well. Even McMahon. McMahon throws the body, but he hasn't really done a ton unless I'm missing something. Well, no, but if you pull out McMahon and Holmberg, you've got Bertuzzi, Nyes, Robertson, um... Well, I guess you keep one of them. So Bertuzzi, Nyes, Robertson, Holmberg, let's say. Like, which one do you put on the third line? Well, roll out your lines as if you don't have a third line. Like, roll them out more. We're getting into the dog days of the season. This is when injuries start to add up. You have, like, have your guys spread the minutes out more. You're not draining uh, Matthews, Marner, and Willie. Because look at what has happened to Edmonton over the last handful of years. It's been all McDavid and all Drysaddle all the time. The guys are playing almost 30 minutes a night and then come playoffs, they're done. Yeah, it's unsustainable. Right. So same thing. Like you've got all these forwards playing so many minutes for the Leafs and then guys like McMahon played eight minutes tonight. Okay, so what if we say you take McMahon out, you put Holmberg on the fourth line with Kampf and Gregor, Robertson stays on the third with Domi and Yarncroak, you put Bertuzzi on the second with JT and Nylander, Nye stays on the first, or you flip Nyes and Bertuzzi? Like Those three are almost interchangeable. Like, really. Obviously, at the end yeah. of the day, you would prefer to have Nyes and Robertson on a top two, like one or first or second line. Sorry, I can't talk tonight. Um, but they can really go anywhere with their style of play. The, the skill they have to be able to strip pucks off guys and the fact that they, they just hound everybody. Whether they have the puck, whether they don't have the puck, offensive zone, defensive zone, they're always constantly attacking the puck carrier, which is what you need. You need that pressure and you need that, that you know, 
hound dog mentality that you will not give up. And that can translate into any of those lines because on the first line, you don't need like nice has the skill to play like Matthews and Marner, but he also has the drive and the body to play like Bertuzzi does. Right. Like that line that he's the first one in the corner to get the puck. Yeah, he is. And so is Robertson. And that can translate to first, second, third, or even fourth line. It's just, they have to, you have to be, it doesn't matter what line you're on. You have to be given the minutes to get yourself into the games that you can feel like you're actually a part of it and get yourself moving. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we'll close this one off. Um, scale of one to 10. How much do you miss Bertuzzi tonight? Uh, he didn't play. Sorry. <laughs> right. That's kind of what I'm hinting at is like, if we're talking all this about Nyes and Robertson being able to play on the first and second line, I'm not saying like, look, going Holmberg McMahon as your third and fourth does seem a little um, shallow. I'll say the opposite of deep, but you don't really have anyone you want to put on that third line. Like if Robertson's kind of being wasted there and, and you got to trade one of them, it seems like, do you trade Bertuzzi somewhere? Um, the only thing that makes sense to, for him is like to trade him to a bad team that can then flip him for picks because I don't think the Leafs want to directly give him to somebody. I don't know. They could, but it'd be weird because you're kind of selling at the same time as buying. But then the only option is trade Robertson. Like it seems like we have three guys for two positions is what I'm trying to get at. Yes, but also when has that ever been a bad thing? It's not, but it's it is in this case just because you want to get Nyes and Roberts in their ice time if you want to make them everyday NHLers because right now this is the first season that they've played this much and if you want them to actually turn into the stars or you know at least the high level players that you expect them to be they need to get more ice time and if they're sharing that with somebody it's just you know extending that which and that comes down to properly managing your bench Right, like use the guys more equally because yet again you're you're getting into that time of the season. Or say like you know tonight, Nye's your first line. Tomorrow night or next game, Bobby, your first line. Bert kind of. Uh, I just I don't like the juggling every night either because then these guys don't get in a groove unless you can do it enough between now and the playoffs that they're all comfortable with each other. But like we've seen Keith do this in you know game two of round one after the lines have been exactly the same for three months well yeah but it you you can't have it both ways you either want them to stay exactly the same because they got the chemistry or you move them around to see what you have so everybody gets familiar with everybody like i I get it there is something to be said for chemistry but if you from now to the end of the season if you have your top three lines set in stone barring any injuries come playoff time they, they shut you down and you go to change things up. Well, then you're trying to juggle and create that chemistry with someone you haven't played with in three months. I guess I'm just saying the end of January and beginning of February is not exactly the time to be trying new things out. Like you also should by this time know or have an idea of what players you can send out and trust. That's my point. Like there should have been more trying out of (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is a really long winded way of saying this is on key for not trying out more combinations at the beginning of the year and just running what he knew back, which was uh, Matthews and Marner with, I don't know, somebody that can go into the corners. Let's try someone out until it works. And then great, it works. Let's just fuck around with the third and fourth line every game until something works. Like, it's just the same thing. Anyway, uh, but so uh, back to the game. I, yeah, I was I was going to touch on something else on the game like. Let's not bury the lead with regards to the game with Sammy. Like, no, that's what I wanted to talk about next. Oh, okay, good. Um, realistically, we all thought he was probably done. Um, I think most of Leafs Nation was <laughs> like, you can pay, uh, we will pay you to take him at this point. Like, we were kind of at that point, we'd rather the cap space than him. goalie. Who just signed a two times $4 million deal in Chicago. Are you joking? Yeah. I don't think Kyle Davidson knows how the salary cap works. Um, but like, 
this just shows what a difference a, a, a decently run organization can can mean to someone. And before anybody gets on me like, oh, the Leafs decently run, they haven't won in so long, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, whatever. When it comes to their employees and their players, they actually treat them with respect and treat them properly. Like this wasn't a, Sammy, you're playing like shit. We're going to demote you. You need to figure your shit out. This was, okay, we're going to put you on waivers. We're not sending you down. Spend the time to get get in a better headspace, work with whatever coach, doctor, whoever you need, and let's build this back up. Like, yeah, they're good to their guys almost to a fault, mm-hmm. like making sure that the guys that they trade away get a good opportunity somewhere, you know, like rehabbing guys, spending the time and money resources on players that other teams have given up on. Like, you know, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, you know, it's, it's things that they, they don't need to do. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you do have the inequalities in the league with regards to different state taxes stuff like that you know it i think it does make a difference when you're actually a class organization and you treat your staff and your players with that much respect yeah i think a lot of the alumni all have that to say about the leafs organization i mean i hear jeff o'neill a lot of the time say how he can call them up for anything anytime he wants you know they get jackets and stuff and tickets and things and and other players have said like wait i I can't even get like a Jersey from my team if I call them now. Like, so it it does seem like they treat their guys well, even years after you, you know, are still working for a massive telecoms uh, corporation and don't need the hookup from the team, but they will still give it to you. (laughs) Not to mention, it's not like he was like a fourth line plug who never did anything. Like he was a legitimate player for quite a while. Yeah, and he can definitely afford to get his own. Anyway, that wasn't my point, but uh, <laughs> Sammy. So Sammy played fantastic today. The guys uh, definitely play better. Like I'll take from from Southey, the, they play better when Sammy plays better. You know, uh, the fact that he was holding on definitely seemed to give them life. Like if they he'd if he'd given up two or three goals in that first period this would have been a complete blowout after that. Like they would have been deflated, given up. I don't think they would have been able to fight back from it the same way that they have been lately, just because of the history with Sammy. I think that would have been, that would have been it for their confidence in him. Is it like the jadedness in me that almost wonders if they had a lot of bad plays and they played kind of poorly for the majority of this game to kind of test Sammy? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Like, yeah, it's a game in January. Let's do it now and see if we can rely on them come playoff time. Like, I've never, I mean, look, if they were playing <laughs> that bad on purpose, that was a lot of well-crafted missed passes and bouncing pucks and turnovers that, uh, you know, you guys deserve Oscars for that one. I think it's coming up. Yeah, we could get Holy into shit. that too, but um yeah, and and it's true. Like Sully was saying it with Sammy, but we talked about it earlier in the year with regards to the difference between having Sammy and Ned or Wall in it. The team looked like two completely different teams with the way they played. And having a goaltender that can make a save for you just makes the world of difference. Yeah, and I mean, what about that 2 on 0 shorthanded? I was looking at that like, well, here it is. This is one nothing. Everybody, all night, like, this might be the night that the Leafs shutout streak comes to an end or streak of not being shut out, whatever, however you say that, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, When that two one Oh happened, I was like, Oh God, here it is. This might be the end of it. And uh, Holy shit. Sammy held on made three saves there. The amount of glove saves he made on shots that could have definitely gone in on a sleeping Martin Jones or Sammy three weeks ago. Like, Man, the guy stood on his head. I'm I'm glad to see he's playing well because it, that's going to turn into like the way goalies work. Like he can string this together into at least a couple good games before, you know, maybe you you go back to Martin Jones until Wall's back. Like I don't know what the timeline on that is, but I think you've at least got these guys both in a position where they know they can play at this level again. Well, yeah, and he like to see that he was playing well enough and he was in the right mindset enough. Like what, what was the old saying? I think it was Darren Pang used to say, he put a little English on it with a couple of those glove saves, like, you know, <laughs> hot dogging it a bit, which is good. You want to see that 
in, in your goalie, you want to see that he has the confidence. He's not just making the glove save and holding it there. Like he's kind of windmilling it a bit, making it, you know, look a little better than it was because he's feeling that in the zone. And you had that, you had the fact that he wasn't like earlier in the season, if he was going side to side, like he'd end up over in the freaking corner. Oh, he didn't know where the posts were. He didn't know where the crease was. He didn't know where the puck was. It was brutal to watch. He was very efficient tonight, like very efficient and very calm in that, which, which you haven't uh, really been able to say about him for quite a while. No, not at all. And I just checked. There was an update on Wall this morning. Apparently, they're hoping he can practice again after the All-Star break and his return is not imminent. So they, uh, they're they on the long game with him. I'm hoping it means like, you know, beginning of March or mid-March we see him back. Like, I want him to get at least a couple of weeks before, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, it, you got to be careful with goalies with anything lower body, right? Like, not that arms and shoulders don't make a difference, but the majority of the game is entirely angles and dropping down on your butterfly. So when, when it's... It, I feel like it's hard to... I mean, you're the goalie, but I feel like it's hard to practice, predict, and and train your body for every position that you might contort yourself into to try to make a save. Like, there's things that if you're diving to go save the puck on the ice, like something that you might not do while you're rehabbing or making sure you can still do this, like as soon as he gets out in practice, he might pull something again. Oh, 100%. There is saves that I have made that I didn't know my body could move that way. And it wasn't exactly like it wasn't planned. It was just a, Oh crap. I really need to make this save and you do it and you don't know how you did it and you can never do it again. Like whether you get hurt or not, like it's just when you're in the process of making those saves and, and and just playing the game, it's kind of crazy what can happen. And if you're in the zone, you can make these ridiculous saves without even realizing you're potentially opening yourself up for some massive injuries. Well, all that being said, we got to give Sammy the first star of the night for holding everybody together. uh, As far as the Leafs go, Uh, we're not including the jets in our stars. They don't get stars. So I would give number two to Nick Robertson because, Oh my God, that, that flick out of the air, that puck should have been cleared like 99 out of a hundred times. That puck is cleared out of the zone and he swatted that shit down. And then after the first attempt didn't work, holds it against the wall, dekes out a couple people, maintains control of the puck, feeds it over to Riley who sends Matthews in front for the easy tip in. And Oh my God, all of that is on Robertson. Like well, he kept that play alive. And, and like you said, when he was against the boards and duked back and forth to kind of maintain possession and get away from the defender, like it's not like he forced the play either. He didn't force it across the center ice to try to get it to someone in a good scoring position when he didn't really have the play. Like he did the unselfish thing. He got himself some ice, realized, hey, I don't really have anything good here. And he dropped it back down to Riley. That wasn't a, a high danger, you know, highlight real pass. That was a, a little chip, you know, this is the unselfish, get at my teammate and get the hell off the ice because I'm gassed. Like, yeah. he, he, and then he's not doing the, something just to get noticed. He's playing everything the right way. Yeah, and he definitely, again, like I said, this needs to be the case for him to stay in the lineup at least for a couple more games to prove that he is, in fact, ready for this after all these years. My God, about time. Uh, but on the other end of it, Matthews, that is not a goal we normally see from him using his uh, his body to just push right through to the front of the net and get his stick in there. But hey, it all counts the same way. 39 is 39, and he is on his way to a shit ton of goals. I don't even know what that works out to at this point. He's, I think he's still on a better pace than he was when he scored his 60. Oh, for sure. How many games have the Leafs played? Do, 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 do. 46? 46. Oh, 46 already? Damn. Yeah. So 46. How does that work? 46 over 82 is 56.1%. So 39 times. What's the opposite of that? Um, 40. Forty-three point nine percent. He's 
No. He's basically on a 70 goal pace. My math is, my math didn't work, but yeah. No, your math, I I, I didn't understand what you were trying to get at there. So I just quickly did it myself. I'm glad. (laughs) Holy, it's, it's past 11 PM. Okay. (laughs) 70. That's where we're going. Well, you are in Ottawa and they believe that budgets balance themselves there. So. Oh, zing. I got a thingy for that. <laughs> there it is. Okay, so Leafs pull this one out in the dying seconds of overtime. Gotta love it. Keeping the streak alive. 192 games, I believe. And uh, yeah, so let's move on to what we were talking about earlier, which is Salt Lake City. And uh, oh my God. So owner of the Utah Jazz put in the formal proposal to start the process to um, initiate expansion. However that works, I guess it means that they're going to be formally reviewed by the NHL to see if it's possible to do it. Um, is is that too many teams? Is that the is... 34 teams too many teams? Because the idea would be to bring a, a 34th in with them, which would be Atlanta, I guess. That is 100% too many teams. Um, it needs to stay at, at 32 and like, cause, cause it was, it would just get weird. I think someone had said the number that it would have to be up at to make it more kind of normal looking would have to be like 36 or 38, which is definitely way too many teams. Um, and like there's, there should not be any more expansion until you can have all 32 NHL teams survive without profit sharing basically without the aid from the other yeah. teams if you can't have your all of your current members surviving and at least breaking even without the help from the big boys then maybe you shouldn't be adding because just to put this in a very simple way um paying for your other teams by selling new teams is kind of what bernie madoff did like really if you think it's kind of a ponzi scheme like if you're saying oh we need to cover the debts of the coyotes and and whoever else isn't making it let's sell another team for a billion dollars and that'll you know bring all the the team sharing revenue up like you're literally just selling more of your shitty product to cover the losses of the other product mhm so it's it it's not a viable solution to this. Like, well, broadcast is up in the air and we don't know who's going to be carrying games and the Olympics are still up in the air. Like, this is just not the time to be doing this. Oh, hundred percent. It's not. And like the only good thing I, you had mentioned Atlanta there and I've heard people, a couple of people say that the only good thing about Atlanta getting a team again would be the fact that it would mean we'd get another Western Canadian team. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but um it's saskatchewan now yeah saskatoon needs a team like it would definitely be more sustainable than arizona speaking of which i googled it and there is coyotes in salt lake like or in utah so i think we're okay there we can just move that team Um, well that's what he wanted initially but batman was like no no no, we're gonna keep them on life support that yeah that's because it's batman's pet um yeah if you name it you know it's hard to kill it. And he named that they took over ownership of it and they named it the Arizona coyotes. They, they took Phoenix off it, you know, it, it's just, it, it's still baffling to me. And I've seen multiple people say it, like what we were just saying. If, if you can't sustainably have your existing franchises, then you should not be adding. And I think to me, that's ultimately what it should come down to. Like you have teams that have actual good fan bases who there's been potential that, that they might not even be able to stick around because of ownership issues. Like look at the senators, right? Yeah. Um, and there's no question of fan support in Ottawa. It's just that arenas in a shitty location and the ownership's kind of been up in the air for a while. Like, and the team's been honestly plagued with some horrible luck over the last 15 years. Well, horrible luck, bad management. Like it, yeah. it's the, 
something to do with teams in Ontario, apparently. Um, yeah. Like, there's so many things that need to be addressed before doing this. I think it's just seen as an easy way to get money in, and it it it's clickbait right now. It's newsworthy. They own, if I, if I remember correctly, I think the group that proposed this, they own the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Yeah, so they already own a team in the city. They have an arena that the team could move into right now. Like To me, it's more of a relocation thing. And at this point, the only team that would even come close to needing to be relocated is Coyotes. Yeah. It's just until they're going to pull the cord on them, it seems like this is a little silly. Like to go to 33 and 34 teams, like you'd have to reformat the playoffs at that point to let more teams in. Like, and then it gets complicated to add because you'd have teams with like a buy. Like you'd have to change so many things to let in this many teams. Uh, or you or you don't and you just have more teams not make the playoffs. I don't know, but that's not good for growing fan bases. If you have more than half of the league, you know, just done before the rest of them are. It's also not uh, good for growing the- fan bases when you weaken the talent pool by that much. Yeah, um, the that's actually a really good point. So the Delta Center holds 14,000 for ice hockey currently. During the 2002 Winter Olympics, the arena hosted figure skating and short track speed skating. So it had ice, has ice, but uh, I mean, it's not 14,000 is not really like NHL level, like it's low level NHL mm-hmm. or capacity. So sure, like I guess if that's the route you want to go, they might add some more and there might be some boxes and stuff that um, add on to that. I'm not sure if that is equated there, but I don't know. I would rather see the Arizona Coyotes just moved to Salt Lake if that's what we're going to do. I don't know. Seems silly. That's definitely the way to go. Like for as long as he's in charge, there's not going to be another Canadian team that comes in. And as much of a travesty as that is, I still agree that we just need to, to fix what's here and what's here isn't working. Like it, it, it's not. It's it's not when you've got a lot of teams that are perennial shit teams. Like it's you know been a long time since a lot of a couple teams that are at the bottom right now were good. You know, Chicago Blackhawks won the cup like a decade ago at this point, and have kind of been trashed since. I mean, kind of the same story for San Jose. Like it, this whole system that he set up is not really paying off the way that it was supposed to. Obviously, COVID, but you know, you got to work around things. You can't just. It, we're in twenty twenty four now. That can't be an excuse. Like it's, yeah. So that kind of segues into the last thing I want to talk about here before we go to questions, which is um, I've talked a lot about the ending of the Rogers NHL deal that's coming up in, in a few years here, and what that could mean for sports and and new players jumping in the game potentially so yesterday we got huge news that uh, or two days ago two days ago netflix is jumping in the sports game and spent five billion dollars on the next 10 years of wwe so uh netflix is testing out with a kind of a niche um secondary sport to get to see if it works, you know, wrestling fans are hardcore fans. They're all going to tune in wherever it's broadcast. So they're seeing if they can, if they can get the, the UI and, you know, streaming something live down because that's going to be new for Netflix, like setting up all those, um, um, you know, the servers and, and things and the capacity to do that. So they're going to test it out with this and see how it goes. And then I'm not going to be surprised if they take a swing at some other sports because Netflix has been the struggling but doing the best out of a lot of the streaming networks that have been either getting gobbled up or, or folding so i uh, i definitely see them taking a swing at expanding and going at amazon because you know obviously amazon's their biggest competitor and they are carrying sports now so they kind of have to make this shift yeah it's it's ultimately it's only going to be a good thing um like you we've seen was it baseball or basketball that went to apple tv for a handful of games. I think 
basketball um and baseball went somewhere though but yeah there's a couple we're the only sport that's not you know sometimes broadcast in cool places <laughs> yeah and, and and ultimately like that's what's coming it doesn't matter how much they push back and how hard they dig their heels in it, it's not going to stay away forever and the end result will be a better product for us for the fans because what they have now isn't working the fact that you can have like the the Edmonton Toronto game that was on like that should not be blacked out anywhere in the country it, it, no it, it when you have be. your top star playing like it's it's insane to tell Canadians they can't watch Connor McDavid like come on yeah it, it, it just it's it's baffling now it you were saying Netflix was getting a sport I thought you said they were getting WWE <laughs> funny I know <laughs> sport loosely sorry so um this was 6.7 billion dollars canadian or 5 billion dollars us for 10 years so that's about the same as what uh, almost the same as what rogers spent just a little shy i mean when we're talking billions two billions not that much different than five um almost what roger spent on the nhl for 10 years and that's just on wwe i know it's not just wwe it's a pretty big product but you got to think if that's what they're willing to spend on that, they've got some funds to throw if a major sport becomes available. Well, yeah. And it's like you said, it's, and I know I joked about it, but we're not trying to dig at the WWE here. They don't have as many events as the NHL does. So like you said, the no. fact that it, it's roughly the same amount of money when the NHL is giving you that much more opportunity for income coming in with regards to ads and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of interesting to see, and it's really got to get them sweating. WWE is broadcast to more than 180 countries and 30 languages and can be seen in, in 1 billion television households worldwide each week. Wow. So they average 1.7 to 2 million viewers. That's a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's way more than I thought. Holy shit. Uh, but... Still, I mean, if you're taking a swing, even at just scooping up the Rogers deal and being, you know, Netflix saying, hey, Canada, we're going to be, I mean, Netflix doesn't give a shit about Canada, so it's probably pretty far-fetched, but hey, we're going to be the home of hockey in Canada. Like, that's a pretty big stance to take. You know, whoever does, like, you kind of become a bit of a Canadian staple. Yeah, and, and really, it's almost surprising that someone hasn't tried to make something to do that. Like Ryan Reynolds, this is your opportunity, right? Right, buddy. You sold the aviation and mint mobile. Use that money to uh, start up a new sports streaming company. Oh, shit. Here he is. The legend returns just in time for questions. Ladies and gentlemen, Dirty Rotor. And honestly... Can you hear me? Mike How fitting check, one, two, that we're one, talking three. about wrestling when I got I this wrestling you intro for you. <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Oh, you sound great. That Happy song will still always remind me of Shawn Michaels. That, why? I don't see anybody It just right it now. makes me think of Are him you guys, from the uh, wrestling you guys video games I had when I was a kid. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so okay. Darty, anything? Well, hopefully this is recording then. You, oh. you want to know what? I'll pop in and out. Uh, give me like, yeah. like, give me like a minute. I'm going to try, try, try this again. I can hear you. Go back to whatever you're talking about. Go back to whatever you're talking about. I'm so sorry, fans. <laughs> you got it, buddy. <laughs> oh, never to be beaten it is darty birder he'll be right back uh so with that i would love to get to some questions i will feed the next one to darty when he gets here but uh from our fan at tml fan and van are we so back sammy appears to be back i i i almost feel like i'm cheating myself for being let, letting myself get to this point but honest to God, I don't know if it's that uh, 
we're, we're just we're so used to failure. I need to see some massive improvements from Keefe before I'm one like not that I'm going to give up on the team. I'm not. I still believe in the team, but I don't believe in him. With the the, yeah. the, the constant lack of of willingness to change and willingness to evolve that we've seen over his tenure and I I've been willing to turn the blind eye to put my leaf colored glasses on and, and, and hope that it's the right thing for the team because he has been here. It's just, it's, we've got historic players on our team and year in and year out, he hasn't been utilizing the items he's had properly. And we've now seen a different GM come in and give him different items than he's been given before. And it's the same result. So Sammy yeah, I mean, appears to you be really back. can't. Sorry. Um, no go. Like Sammy appears to be back, but I- I'm still, I'm on the fence, Marty. I love you, but I'm, 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 I'm broken right now. <laughs> yeah. Keith really couldn't have been dealt that much different of a hand, like given the, the pieces that can't move on the team. Like this is kind of as different as it could have been from last year. And uh, yeah, I mean, Look, we're seeing the same mistakes, first periods that just aren't there, power plays that aren't connecting. The penalty kills 27th in the league. I mean, they did a great job tonight when it counted, but they took some shit penalties at the end of the game. Um, we're seeing guys deployed in weird situations. Like, it's it's still all in, coming back to the same thing, and we know all the individual star talent is there. We know some of the guys that have been emerging have talent, so, you know, somebody's got to put it together, and... I think uh, especially being matched up against a depleted team that is in a position to fight for a cup like Winnipeg and to still be that outshot in the first period, it was like kind of an eye opener. Like, oh, I don't even know if we're a top five team that I'm looking at right now. Like, yeah, there's some players that definitely should be there, but I don't know if this team is playing like a top five team. All right. All right. Pump the brakes here. Yeah. Yeah, sad sacks. I'm sick of hearing know. this glum. You know, and I'm usually the one leading the train. I'm leading the charge here. But you know what? Can we? Can we? Can we not agree that is like the All Star break is coming? We know this about the Leafs. These guys check out and check into their hotel room. All right, you, you know it, and we we've, we've seen it time and time again. Don't worry. This is all. These are all BS games. You know, the prizes are made up. The points are. The points don't matter. Okay. Come back from the all-star break and then we'll talk. But right now it's like I've I've already discounted whatever happens until the all-star break. I've already discounted it. All right. The only thing I didn't discount is uh, five gentlemen, uh, not very gentlemen, going to jail very soon. All right. That was uh, shocking news. Uh, not shocking. It's just I kind of forgot about it. So that was some uh, some news for Gary Bettman's league right there is, uh, you know, Carter Hart disappearing and Formanton and Dubé and all that color jazz oh yeah unfortunately we we're you're late to that one we started with that but it's it definitely a crazy day for the sport and um absolutely ridiculous news uh i do want to get your take though since you're high on the team we beat the kraken on sunday and tonight beat the jets next game before the all-star break the last one is uh home at the jets so after the performance tonight what do you think you're going to see tomorrow night is it going to be, you know, a three-game winning streak that we go into the All-Star break with? Or is it uh, more of the same play and more questions? It would be nice. Um, I'm here, Here's my question for you, all right? Like, God, I want to love Wall, but then there's this disgusting part of me that says, who the hell is he anyways? He's a no-name brand goaltender. Sorry, not sorry, <laughs> but... I don't, there's a lot of love for Justin Wall, or what's it, I don't even know what his first name is now. Whatever the hell his name is, Brick Wall. The guy is is not a, a game-saving goaltender. Sorry, not sorry. Anybody who thinks that... That is Richard Wall. Whatever the hell you. his goddamn name is, Brick Wall, you know, he's, he's not the guy, all right? And I don't think Martin Jones is either, but everybody's out here saying like, oh my God, Wall's coming back, Wall's coming back. Who the hell is Wall, all right? He's not that great. We're lucky that Sammy is that Sammy saved our ass this game. Like wow. Like like Samsonov really I got to say this. Like anybody who's a goaltender in Toronto needs to understand that you are basically Maximus Decimus, you know, or you know, 
whatever the hell, you know, whatever the hell his name is from fucking uh, Gladiator, all right? You need to be out there and entertain because look how the fucking crowd stood up for Sammy when he made those saves. Look how the people love you and adore you. Yes, like we have so many goaltenders. Oh, yeah. So many goaltenders that go on these like pity party slumps. And yes, it sucks. It sucks getting scored on. It sucks having a team that doesn't um, necessarily have your back all the time. But understand this is that if you make those saves, you put in that effort and we've seen what we've seen nobodies come and do this. If you can consistently do that, that should be more than enough because that the noise of the fucking audience, the noise of the crowd, the noise of the mob is what will give you life. And if you're the kind of guy who, who that, who, who that yeah, doesn't mean anything to, then you're probably not going to do well as a goaltender in Toronto. But if you are that kind of guy who gets mad cojones from getting, you know, a standing ovation every time you literally do the, the smallest thing to save our team, like you're going to, the, the dividends will pay off because I said, we watching that game, it was like, we always talk about how the crowd is lifeless in Toronto. Well, the crowd has life when you do those things. Like, holy smokes, that everybody stood behind Sammy when, when he was making those saves. All you got to do is, you know, get your head in the game. As silly as it sounds, like you know, we I said, I, I feel like a lot of the goalie problems are, are mental, but I said, maybe the way to just get over it is to just get over it because you make those saves the people will you know, instantaneously boost you, boost you to, you know, to freedom, to stardom. And I said, like, Sammy's had like the worst, he, he's had the worst run so far. And now it's like, look, you know, the thumbs up, the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the emperors love you. you the, the crowd loves you. The mob loves you. Keep it up. And so going forward, forward to next game, I don't know who's in net next, but either it's Wall or, um, or Martin Jones. It's not. Wall still hurt. Wall still hurt. Okay, I, I wasn't. People keep say, I said people keep saying that Wall's coming up. Wall's coming up. If it's Martin Jones, Martin Jones, you want to keep yourself on this team? Fucking live for the mob. All right, because you, even if you're, you know, even if you're not in Toronto, like, where do Leafs where, Leafs fans are everywhere? And if you make those saves out in fucking Winnipeg, you you best believe that there's Leafs fans gonna be screaming their heads off for you to love you, right? So, like. Hell, I just want <laughs> I want to see some goddamn goaltending. I want to see some good goaltending. It's very clear these guys can't play defense, but we can still win games. That was like an old school like one nothing game. Like we had to go to overtime to get a goal. <laughs> like holy crap, but still we won. And you know what? Goaltending matters. So if you want to be that guy, go out there and be that mother flicking guy, all right? Wow, welcome back Dirty Broder. Love you. That was fucking awesome um yeah it is it is worth noting you know it's a back-to-back -back, so jones is probably gonna play tomorrow so he's really gotta solidify his spot because look the all-star break's coming up and then right around the corner wall comes back and then it's gonna be you know did jones earn his spot or is it oh thank god joseph falls back by the way he posted um eight wins five losses one tie one ot loss uh, with a 916 save percentage and 2.8 goals against before getting hurt. Through 15 games, which is the most he's ever played. So go for it, go for it. Um, Johnny, first off, it's Saturday, the next game. Oh, it's not tomorrow? No. Oh, well then, fuck. Sammy's <laughs> probably playing. Saturday night. Saturday yeah, night. Chances are Sammy will be playing that game. My um, bad, man. And. I get what you're trying to say, Darty, but at the same time, he, he's Joseph Wall is not exactly a nobody. He's still top ten in save percentage, and he is still thirteenth in goals saved above expected in the league in the entire league right now. And at this point, he's had a really shitty season, and he's only been back really back for two games. But Sammy's, you know, ninetieth. So I I get it. We love the guy. I and Johnny and I touched on it too. Like ultimately, what happened with him is what you want to see from an organization that you cheer for. They didn't just throw him to the wolves. They tried to help build him back up. And at the end of the day, that's that's all we can ask for. If you can go into the, the playoffs or trade deadline or whatever set deadline you want to give yourself, and you can have Jones and Sammy and Wall all playing really good hockey that's only going to benefit your team because look at what happens in the playoffs you have injuries you have guys like freak things happening like 
it's not going to hurt us in the long run. It's going to help us. We just got to get there. Yeah, honestly, I think it's a plus that Jones has turned out to be more than we expected because now going into the playoffs, you have a rotation of three if you need it. Like if someone gets hurt, it's not, oh shit, Eric Schalgren. It's, no, we're we're still okay. Like I, you know, you asked me four months ago if I'd be okay if everybody's hurt and Martin Jones is playing and I'd say, like, I hope to God that Trill Living has made a deal before that happens, but look where we are, so... And I'm sorry to all the Joseph Wall lovers. And I, I sorry. Is this what is the name? Is it Joe? What's his name? What's his first Joseph. name? Joseph. It is Joseph. Okay. It's, it's Britchard. Okay. It's Richard. All right. <laughs> Richard. So I'm sorry to all Long the Joseph, for brick. Joseph Joseph Wall fans out there. It's just that, like, to me, he's just another Shalgren, right? He had a great run, but like, I just can't see him being the guy yet. And it's like the one thing I do trust about Martin Jones is that he does have and he's he's kind of jack campbell like in his nhl pedigree if i'm not mistaken not currently but when we picked up campbell you know what i mean like he was he's i feel like he's got a little bit more going for him just you know career wise than wall has at this point and i think to be honest a lot of those wins i thought the leafs just played good though that game i think it's like you got to be a good goaltender you got to be a good goaltender when the leafs don't give you the time of day and they haven't really been giving the time of day the past couple of weeks all right. It's like these past couple of weeks, we've really seen the, the way the Leafs have like not had it going and checked out. Right. Yeah. They've put a lot of it on the goaltenders and uh, some have shown up and some nights they haven't. And uh, honestly, Sammy returning to farm and, and showing up for these last two games has been uh, very welcomed. <laughs> very. Okay. Anything we want to end off with here before we head out for the night? No? No, not really. <laughs> Darty, got anything you want to plug? <laughs> I miss Steph the Fanless with all my heart. That's what I want to say. I miss Steph. I miss Sadi. I feel like we've seen Sadi, but I have, you know, like he's not here right now, so I miss you too. It's good to see you both. And uh, just a huge shout out to the fans who stuck with us, right? Like I feel like we talked on the um, in our group chat about how there's been a lot of things shaken up with different podcasts and like different groups. I know like SD, SDPN laid off some people. I don't know if that's what I'll talk about that or not. I don't care. But, but yeah, and Sports Illustrated just laid everybody off. Yeah. And so I just want to shout out to the fans, you know, like obviously we, we do this at a cost and that cost is to our own personal wallet, but you guys have all been there for us. You guys have had our backs. And we're going to keep putting out this content because we love you and we love the game, right? And what? We've got a crew of five people and sometimes Marty Zilstra and sometimes, you know, friends, the other friends of the show. But uh, just want to say you've, you've made it with, uh, you know, fans and, and our crew. We, we've made it this far. I, I'm I don't know. I feel like this is a fateful season. I feel like this is, you know, this, this, this could be this could be very damn close to the one where we might have a lot of interesting things to very interesting things to talk about this year. <laughs> oh, I hope so, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So I think we should end on that. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any-